Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. It's one of the ways that we have an opportunity to honor what he has given to us through the scriptures. Well, hello. Glad you have joined us for Easter. As followers of Jesus, Easter or Resurrection Day is a day of celebration. In fact, this day, the day Jesus vacated the grave in which he, pla- he was placed after his gruesome Roman death on a cross, makes Jesus and the way he leads worth following. No other thing. This, right here, today, what we celebrate, makes it all worth following. So if you're here with us today, you fall into one of two categories. Sorry about that. You do. You are a follower of Jesus who celebrates this day and all the freedom that Jesus has given to you and wishes to continue to give to you because of the cross and the vacated grave. If you're here as a guest or a friend and yet have made, not made a decision, you have yet to experience this, this experience that Jesus wished to give us, a freedom from our sin and a freedom <clears throat> in life because of the cross and the vacated grave. We're glad that you're here. In fact, if you're here and that has not been your experience, you've not experienced Jesus, this is the best place to be. There is no other place to ask questions about the church, about God, about Jesus, or anything else you would have on your mind but here. And so I am grateful that you're in this place, that you can have the, ask the questions, have the conversations, and engage in the tasting and seeing whether the life Jesus, is, Jesus promises is really true. So we have to do something for those of us who are kind of throwback or older Christians. We know this phrase, uh, but I'm going to inform the rest of you who may not know it as well. <clears throat> I'm going to ask for a water because I'm drying out up here. The phrase is, I say, he is risen, and you respond with, he is risen indeed. Can we do this? All right, let's do it with robust, no, no quiet, you know, passive ways. He's really is risen. Let's affirm this to our souls. Thank you very much, Melanie. He is risen. He is risen, he is risen indeed. He is risen The Titanic and its crew were undeterred by what was needed and heeded by other ships of its day. Theories abound why this grand ship, the Titanic, making its maiden voyage across the Atlantic sank. What we do know, though, is while this ship was grand and it was brand new, it was built, theory says, by cutting costs, taking the shortest journey to putting it into the water and setting sail. Whether that's true or not, we know there are We're simply not enough lifeboats for all that were on board. Also, they may have been traveling just a bit too fast for the waters they were navigating at at that time. Upon underwater examination of what created this massive ship to sink into the waters, leaving 1,500 people to die, was hitting an iceberg. As it has been told, the iceberg created holes in the hull. Tears in the ship that allowed it to sink. You know, hitting the iceberg was barely noticed by the passengers or crew. Barely even noticed. Some people who survive remember a small shudder or a vibration. That was just about it. Almost like the kind that if you've ever flown, 
you feel in a plane, I'm guessing. What we know is that you see only 10% of 100% of an iceberg. So 90% is under the water, 10% is what you see. Just glancing the iceberg by this massive ship was all it took for it to sink. All it took. See, friends, sometimes we're not seeing everything or know everything. While danger was below the waterline, the crew was delayed in their response to deploy lifeboats. It was as if they were oblivious to the impending disaster or devastation about to take place. In fact, there are a couple of quotes that I found. One from Eloise Smith, who was before the U.S. Senate testifying, said, there was no commotion, no panic, no one seemed to be particularly frightened. I had not the least suspicion of the scarcity of lifeboats, or I never should have left my husband. Washington Dodge, a physician reported, I watched the lifeboats on the starboard side lower as they were successfully filled by, with people. At no time during this period was there panic or evidence of fear or unusual alarm. I saw no women or children weep, nor were there any evidences of hysteria. Friends, can I just tell you the season of our lives that we have been occurring, uh, you know, walking through together has been like no other that we've ever had in our lifetime. None other. Uh, We have the ability to see in ways that is incredible, both our country and ourselves individually. We have a clarity of sight to the deeper issues in our country like we've never had. And those in the deeper levels are deeper lower levels of our even heart, mind, and soul like no other time. Racism, social injustice, politics, the use of social media platforms in an unleashed and unrestrained way, isolation and depression, they didn't give way to more love, greater joy, an abundance of peace or patience or kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and definitely not self-control but actually gave way to this. Fear, idolatry, anger, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, selfish ambition, dissension, division, alcoholism, anxiety, and you fill in your blank for what you picked up this last year. While this may be a surprise to you or to others, Jesus was and is never surprised by what emanates from humankind. We will always move toward pride, self-preservation, and self-destruction. It's just the way of mankind since the fall. God knew we did not need administrative changes, policy changes, or legislative bills to change our behaviors or fix the breaches in the holes of of our society or the holes of our lives. But we needed a work of the soul, heart, and mind We need a relationship with the one who created us in a way that can restore us. Not just fixing those holes, but actually one who can make our heart, our mind, and our soul, and our strength new. Brand new with his power. Rich Velotis in his book entitled Deeply Formed Life writes this. Sooner or later, the issues on life's lower decks Though remain oblivious, will nevertheless 
rise to the top. Can I ask, has something risen to the top in your life this last year that has pulled you in the wrong direction, if you're only honest with yourself? You see, if the events of our lives in the last week or even in the last year have moved us toward fear, idolatry, anger, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, selfish ambition, dissension, division, alcoholism, anxiety, or any of the above or anything else you can put in there that is self-destructive or others destructive, can I tell you that the lower decks of your soul, your heart, and your mind are rising to the top and are starting to expose themselves? What's the answer to the breach in our souls? How do we deal with the issues of the heart that we have not been able to control on our own or with counseling or with other things? What about the mind? The splintering, the depression, whatever it may be. Now some of you are like, oh, I've got this handled. I'm good. Let me just remind us of some of our, well, more readily available self-soothing ways of coping with things. Endless social media scrolling or posting, especially inside your echo chamber. Binge watching, whatever it may be. Alcohol. Food, whether you deal with it with anorexia or bulimia or just eating in general. Porn. Gambling. Cutting. Workaholism. And another category that only you can fill in, other. What is it you reach for? You see, since the Enlightenment, humankind has been attempting through all known possible ways to make humankind better. I mean, even before that. But really, that was kind of the explosion in our world. Yet, while I believe that we have gained some pretty cool, cool things and useful aspects for humans and humankind from the Enlightenment, science, medicine, all of those very good things, it still has yet to prove that it can change or transform the human heart. You see, all of our education, all of our science, all of our knowledge is for naught. It doesn't make us more loving, kind, or gentle, or even joyful. So where is the cure for the human heart, mind, and soul? What is the cure? Well, as we celebrate today, Jesus' journey for us is the cure. He was born emptying himself of his divinity, journeyed to the cross, sacrificing himself for our sin, our missing the mark. When those times we go, ah, darn, that's what he died for, right? Vacated the grave, destroying death's grip for those who would willfully follow him in all his ways. You see, as the women were carrying the spices to care for Jesus' body on that Sunday morning, they had forgotten what Jesus had clearly declared to them. He would die, rise, and eventually return to his glory. This path by Jesus was promised by the prophets declared in Scripture long before he had ever arrived on the scene, born to Mary the Virgin. Yet, as we heard, the events of his arrest, trial, and crucifixion crucifixion causes them so much distress, so much confusion, so much doubt, that they blotted out the truth of what they had been told. 
Maybe as some of you are watching online or sitting here now, maybe that has happened to you in the last year. That there's been so much stress, so much confusion, so much distraction, you actually forgot what Jesus has told you. Or maybe you have never heard. Jesus is gracious in the passages we read. While a bit frustrated and irritated, you can read it for yourself. He speaks gently to his friends to remind them of the truth of Scripture, to remind them of the truth of what he had already told them. He tells them and us why he had to die and rise. So here are a few reasons. Jesus vacated the grave so we can be forgiven. So we can be forgiven. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. This is crucial for our relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus died so we can have the forgiveness of sins. Our trespasses, those things, we go, ah, I missed it, right? It's as simple as that, really, it is. And we know when we have. It's not the big things, it's some of the small things. When we confess and receive the forgiveness from God, we can then begin to live into the freedom God has designed for us from the very beginning. Just go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and you'll find the freedom that God gave his created ones there. He wishes to give that back to us. He wishes to restore us. We can only give to others what we have been given from the one who so loved us that he was willing to die for us, to pay the debt, and to rise once again. You see those breaches in the hall of our lives? of the soul, heart, and mind that come out in anger, hostility, division, selfishness, fear, are ways we don't think or act like God created us. They're an antithesis to the way we raise. And that in itself is enough to say, Lord, will you forgive me? That in itself, because he doesn't act that way. He doesn't behave that way. The bloodshed on the cross through his gruesome crucifixion restores the heart, mind, and soul when we follow and practice the ways of Jesus. I love how Paul writes it in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. He says, in, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Can you hear those words again? He purposed them, but with good pleasure. His desire was for you, for me, for the world. To be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity, not what we've seen in the last year, unity into all things in heaven and on earth under who? Jesus Christ. So forgiveness through Jesus that Paul conveys is in alignment. It's this confession that, God, you're right. We are agreeing in God's designed ways and his desired ways for us. That's all we're doing. We're saying what you say in Scripture, what you say about me, what you say to me is right. 
Jesus himself said he was the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. Our agreeing with him assures us of this path. In fact, this agreeing with him allows us to have life. In fact, I think this is why Jesus vacated the grave, so we can live, so we can live. In Luke 24, the disciples have a V8 moment. Do you remember that commercial? Maybe some of us need to do that right now. No, sorry, you don't have to do that. Listen to this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. We know what's coming, right? But their eyes have yet to be opened. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You see, Jesus breaks the bread, gives it to them, and then in his resurrected body, just disappears. Are you guys ready for your resurrected body? That's pretty cool, I just have to say. They finally see him. They finally have their sight. Their clouds of their minds have been opened to the reality of Jesus, the living one, the resurrected one, in their midst. Their Lord, the Messiah, is living and not just living and existing, but living well. How many of you, yeah, how many of you could say that? Do you see the rest of the conversation? There was something they did not seize when they had the opportunity. And they had the chance, it was on the road. Jesus was with them then. Jesus was explaining to them truths over and over again. Yet they didn't heed the Holy Spirit's burning in their heart. In this last year, or in these very moments, is there burning in your heart? Can I just tell you, don't ignore the burning in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with what you ate last night. I promise you there's been enough prayer in these moments. Jesus is trying to get your attention. He wants to give you life, to thrive, not just exist and live in your own bubble, but to live into a kingdom that is expansive and constantly growing and beautiful. See, Jesus desires for you to live the vacated life, the one that steps out of the grave, not lives in the grave. That's what he wants, and he's speaking to you in this very moment. Let me just ask, let me press. So how's the life of fear, worry, anxiety, dissension, division going for you? You see, Jesus wishes to give us a life of contentment, deep peace, just exuberant joy, and unconditional, unbounded love. Can I tell you that it's, it's just a request away. He does and will give you life and life to the full as he promised. That life is for now, not for the later. Yet he does want to grant us the life to come. As he was talking to his friend Nicodemus, who really became his friend at the end of the story, if you read it, 
He says this, no one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can you say forever? Forever! And ever and ever and ever, we, prom- we are promised life forever with Jesus. When we believe in Jesus with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's what we're promised. Death loses its sting due to the- Jesus vacating the grave. We get life now and we get life later. As Paul stated, Where, oh, death is your sting. Sin has lost its power and death is vanquished in and through Jesus. Many of us have lost loved ones this last year. So did I. Lost my dad. Can I just tell you, I am grateful in this moment while I still grieve his loss, I am praising Jesus that he's not dead. He is alive in Jesus. Eternal life changes everything, friends. Everything. Jesus is walking, talking, and communes with his friends with them in his resurrected body. He breaks bread with them. If that's not victory over death, I don't know what is. Seriously, I mean, in the grave, out of the grave, vacated. But why? Forgiveness, life. Can I just add this next one? I believe it's crucial to us, especially in these moments. Jesus vacated the grave so we can be whole. So we can be whole. As soon as Jesus commences his ministry at the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see it all over the place. He brings restoration to all who follow him. I mean, the incredible thing when Jesus talks to people, guess what comes out of his mouth? Life. When he touches people, he heals people. They are healed. When he speaks to demons, they they flee. Healing, wholeness. To the mind, to the heart, to the soul, it's of the whole being that God, through his son Jesus, wishes to bring us healing and restoration in every aspect of our lives. It's a beautiful thing. Listen to Luke. Listen from Luke 24, starting with the 38th verse. He says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is, it is I myself. Touch me and see me. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? I love this. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you. 
while I was still with you, everything, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I find it funny on a couple of different levels, this passage of scriptures. The disciples are so caught up in the joy and amazement of Jesus in their, in their presence, they forget hospitality altogether. It's a vital aspect of, of our living and doing the kingdom life. You have also this divine and human that's taking place at the same time in the resurrected body of, of Jesus. I can't even comprehend. I mean, we're amazed. We understand it with our heads, but I'm not sure my heart or my, my soul can really grasp it completely, but it's a beautiful thing. But I see this passage pointing directly to a passage in Isaiah chapter 53, which we often read during this period of time. It says this, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sin, our missing the mark. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, all of ours. But did you catch it in there? In, in the beating and the bruising that Jesus took, guess what we are, what is brought to us? We are healed. By his wounds we are healed, and I do not believe that is only, only because be our, our soul's healing, our restoration and relationship. That is true too. But Jesus brought healing when he touched, when he spoke, when he reached out. He brought life. You see, Jesus vacated the grave so we can be forgiven, so we can live life fully, and we can be whole. These are three things we're celebrating today. We wouldn't need to say anything more about Jesus, our Messiah, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. But I think we do. I think we need to. Because we need to personalize it for ourselves this morning. Because you brought something with you. I don't know what it is. But I believe the Holy Spirit has been nudging you, has been warming your heart this morning. So I need you to finish this phrase. Not out loud, but finish this phrase. Jesus vacated the grave so I wouldn't be filled in. Alone, angry, fearful, worried, lost, selfish, divisive, anxious. So I won't be depressed. I don't have to deal with alcoholism. I can kick the porn habit I don't, have, I don't have to worry about jobs because he's in control. My financial issues are in his hands. My marital issues are in his hands. My relationship issues are in his hands because he is in control of all things. He wants me to have life. He wants me to be whole. He wants me to be his. How do we do this? How do we step into the life that he wants us to do? that he wants us to live. I think it's this way. Our next step is just simply this. Because Jesus has already invited us. Jesus invites us to follow. 
He invites us to follow. Listen to these words from Luke chapter 9. If any of you wants to be my follower, you want life, forgiveness, wholeness, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? Can I just tell you that everything about this world, which doesn't emanate from Jesus, is out to destroy you. Even the best things in life, they're out to parse you out. They're out to take your life. They're out to make you into pieces, not into holes. Everything. So we have a decision. On this Easter morning, there are two invitations because there are probably about two different groups of people here. Some of us are followers. We have decided to follow Jesus, yet we are not yet complete and whole in him. Friends, that's just part of the journey. And there is joy in the journey. There is actually complete joy in that journey when we recognize that God has our best, that even in the disciplines, even in the hardship, there is good that is coming, that is so wonderful, so untold. But we realize we're not complete yet. Our heart, mind, soul, and strength, yep, they're being transformed and it's being processed, but we realize that some of those things that I listed, we were caught into this last year. That Jesus says he frees us from by his spirit, by his, by his son's life. So let me ask you, what word did you put into that sentence? So I don't have to be I believe the Holy Spirit is nudging you. We believe in the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. Not anything I can say, not anything I can do. In fact, the less you do on my persuasion and more from the Holy Spirit and more on God's work in you, the more will stick and stay. But I believe the Holy Spirit's desiring to move you along. And I believe that many of you are desiring to, to live life in a greater ways and in greater wholeness. How do you do that? Well, you surrender to Jesus. This last year has been one of those years where uh, we, we all kind of ask for an individual word to be deposited in our hearts and our minds. And our collective word here as a community is new. You see, God is wanting to make all things new. And I just ask that you would Lean into that. Trust in Jesus that he wishes to make you new in every area of your life. Fellow follower, you can just start leaning into the prayer. Just asking, asking the Spirit to work on your heart, surrendering that thing. Then there are some of you here who have been invited. Or it's Easter, you come. This is what you do. And that's okay, we love that. But you realize and recognize this last year has been like no other, too. And you realize and recognize that there's just, there's just a change that needs to take place. Your heart, your mind, and soul, and strength, everything needs to change. 
You, you want to allow the, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control to abound more and more and more in you as you decide to follow him. This is your day. This is your opportunity. This is your place. And in a moment, we'll pray, and I'll invite you to pray a prayer with me to accept the invitation to follow Jesus. And it's a gracious, non-forceful invitation because that's our God. But this is what I know. Just as Jesus vacated the grave, we have a choice to vacate our grave this morning and follow Jesus through forgiveness into life and wholeness in Jesus and the Spirit is moving on you. Let it move through you. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful for Jesus' death and resurrection. In him, all can be forgiven. Life can be lived, not just exist or straining through. And we can be brought into greater wholeness of heart, mind, and soul. Father, I'm so grateful to you for these 36 years that you have given me to live for and in you and the decision I made to follow you. I pray now for my brothers and sisters in this room and online as they confess and surrender that very thing that came to their minds and hearts that you bring them to greater life and greater wholeness and a greater celebration around the Easter meal this afternoon. Some of you, friends, have felt the burning of the Holy Spirit. You felt it even before you walked into this room, but you feel it now. And that's the Spirit's nudge on your life. And again, I want to repeat, it's, it's not anything you ate. It's not anything like that. It's the Holy Spirit. Accept and invite, accept the invitation to follow Jesus and to get the life he designed for you. If that's you this morning, whether online or here in person, I want you to pray this prayer that's on the screen with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus, who is risen from the grave. Save me. Forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow love and live for you In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, amen. Father, we celebrate the new and renewed lives in you today. We pray this in the name of Jesus that saves all and any who come to him. Amen. Friends, I want to let you know that we want to know about any decision you have made today. As you came in this morning, maybe you were directed to pick up a connection card or online, you can find it online. We would love for you to fill that out and let us know whether you made a renewed commitment. You're a follower of Jesus, but you made a renewed commitment this morning. We would love to know that so we can pray for you and come alongside you. But if you made a first time commitment this morning, we want to know that. We have a starter kit in your journey with Jesus that we wish to give to you. If you're here with us this morning, you can meet me in the back in the lobby, and I would love to give that to you. If you're online, you let us know, and we'll get it mailed to you. 
because we believe the journey with Jesus is everything for you and everything for anyone. The last invitation is some of you have come in with some heavy hearts. And uh, we realize that we're walking through a time of virus and COVID. It makes it precarious, but some of you need prayer. You need to know that somebody is seeing you and is praying for you. If that's what you need this morning, there will be friends out front who are ready for you. There's no pressure, but there's a willingness to pray, to see you, to tell you that your concerns are seen and heard, and we love you. If that's the case, you can come down while we're singing or any time after that.